Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, this is Archbishop Perez with a special message recognizing the incredible work of the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. In 2015, its founders were inspired by the World Meeting of Families and the visit of Pope Francis to create a pastoral ministry in Philadelphia for the benefit of families facing relationship crisis. The foundation ministers to struggling families and individuals through a confidential prayer line, pastoral appointment with priests, retreats, and much more. I'm deeply grateful for the work of the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation. In a short time, it has already strengthened and sustained hundreds of families. For more information about this pastoral ministry, please visit the website on your screen and join me in praying for families throughout a local church. May God bless you abundantly. And welcome to a podcast from the St. Raymond Nonatas Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. My name is Ann DeSantis. I am the Executive Director. This is our Anti-Human Trafficking Awareness Podcast. And as you can see, I'm joined by three other guests. I have Sir Randy Pagnata, Steve Boza, and Jim Flanagan. And I just would like to give you a little information on all of them together here. Uh, Sir Randy Pagnata is a Catholic evangelist from the greater Philadelphia area. He attends St. Mary's Church in Conshohocken, PA. Steve Boza is the director for the Office of Life and Family with the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And Jim Flanagan is the program coordinator for the Office of Life and Family. Welcome to all of you and thank you for joining us, Randy, Steve, and Jim. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Now, before we kind of delve into this topic, um, I would like to introduce Sir Randy Pregnata to talk about the problem itself. Some people who are watching this podcast might not be fully aware that in our greater Philadelphia area that human trafficking is going on. So let's start out with Randy. If you could just tell us a little bit about, well, first start out with yourself and your background and then please do tell us about exactly who is affected by this horrific tragedy that's occurring within our area and all over the United States and beyond. Well, well thank you. Um, I'm a, a, you know, a, a knight in the equestrian order, grand knight in the equestrian order of the Holy Sepulchre of Jerusalem, hence the sir, dubbed the knight. And uh, we consider ourselves and have been asked by Cardinal Field only a couple of years back to be ambassadors for the faith. And that's what I consider what I do is to be an ambassador for the faith and to defend the faith and support the Holy Land. In my work with Malta, which is a different ministry as a Knight to Malta, we also defend the faith, but we also support the poor and the sick, uh, which is um, you know, our charism from Malta. This is where I got involved with this scourge called human trafficking, which is actually what it is. It's like a product, people being product, 
but it's um, human slavery. It's modern human slavery, and it's it's a scourge. It starts at the international level and works its way right down to our own backyards. If our children have iPhones, any type of cell phone, laptops, notebooks, computers, they are vulnerable. And anybody can say, well, you know, this is a problem on the border. This is a problem of Ukraine with refugees. And it is. And many people have seen the movie Sound of Freedom. And that's a horrible, horrible tragedy worldwide. But what we want to focus on is not only is that a, a huge international scourge, but what's happening right in our own backyard. Um, and that's where our focus has been. How do we get people to realize, yeah, you know, we're not asking you to go into jungles and save children out of the jungles of Colombia, uh, but we are looking to create awareness so that we can uh, prevent people from getting caught up in this locally and how we can spot people who may be trafficked and how we report that properly to the right authorities and not try to confront it ourselves and so forth. So it's really an awareness campaign built on those three elements. And um, locally, it's very difficult to get a handle on the numbers because of the difficulty in reporting this. I have information from um, the, Villanova, the Villanova Widener School of Law uh, and they track from 2014 to today, they've tracked when Pennsylvania enacted its anti-trafficking, human trafficking law. Um, very few convictions, very few prosecutions. Half the counties in the state um, are only recording nominal arrest and even fewer convictions. And even when we get the convictions, um, the fines that should be levied sometimes aren't, and it's a very difficult problem. So in terms of what's going on locally, we need to build awareness, but also build a support group so that we can um, advocate for certain policy changes and probably look at uh, changing our laws or making our laws uh, more effective. Uh, so that's what we're talking about in terms of the local scope of it. And um, internationally, it's, it's a huge problem. It's the driving motivator for the whole thing, the engine is obviously money. It's all about the money. Um, it's what our Lord talked about, you know, the love of money. And you have people that see other people as something for their own personal profit possession or their own um, pleasure. That's very dark individual. And uh, when you consider how many children are caught up into this, it makes it even scarier. So that's where our focus is, is how do we prevent and make aware and do a, do a community-wide uh, awareness program from the ground up. And that's really what it's all about. So it's hard to give you very detailed numbers when I talk to different law enforcement agencies. Much of the numbers that I do have come from Homeland Security. They come from the World Health Center. Uh, they come from the United Nations. Um, on drugs and crime, the Office of Drugs and Crime, also media reports, uh, exposés, documentaries, et cetera, about what's going on. Um, but it's a, it's a terrible, terrible thing that's going on. We're all vulnerable to it. And when you talk about these numbers, it's very important to remember these are more than numbers. If I mentioned that over 1.6 million children have been caught up in child pornography and are being exploited on, on a 
daily basis, you know, that that's horrific. But it also at the same time, you have to remember, these are more than numbers. These are people. These are fathers. These are mothers. These are children. These are grandchildren. Uh, and they could be ours because nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. Yeah. Thank you so much for wetting the appetite. And I think I just want to clarify to the people watching this podcast that that's really the purpose of this podcast is to give you some information, some basic information about this so that you can make decisions on where you might be able to help and so that you're more aware that this is happening right here in our own archdiocese within the greater Philadelphia area. And not just in Philadelphia too, it's happening in the suburbs. So it, it is happening everywhere. I want to also bring on or talk a little bit to Steve and to Jim. And as I mentioned that Steve is the director for the Office of Life and Family. Jim is the program coordinator. And you know, our archdiocese is doing something about this. So I start out with you, Steve. Uh, tell us a little bit about what we've done in the past and maybe what we might be moving into in the future in bringing awareness. Well, I think before I get into that, if I may, I, I think it may be helpful to give a 30,000 foot overview of what Rand, Sir Randy said and what you've been saying, Anne, is this all boils down to respect for human dignity and respect for human life. Because that's the that's the center stage of everything, you know. And you know, my office deals with, you know, the, the human trafficking, but we also deal with marriage issues. We also deal with bioethical issues. We also deal with uh, abortion and euthanasia. Um, but they all have a common root, and the common root is the dignity of every human person that is alive on Earth and will ever be alive on Earth. Without that. Without that center, we can't go any further. You know, our Catholic Social Services is stellar in providing um, homes and shelter for and food for women caught up in some of, you know, the, the um, you know, the, the human trafficking ways of, of, of being uh, for women who have found themselves in a, in a a pregnancy that's was not planned what do we do now and you know we have we have things to offer these people especially the women you know shelter food there's legal aid that could come from social services to help them with with any of some of any of these issues and so i would um highly recommend our viewers to contact either me or amy stoner over at css that could help you know, provide what is needed for these people who wind up in a trafficking trafficking situation. You know, uh, we we really do put a lot of effort and money into um, helping these persons. But mm. people need to know that we exist. So good to know. Thank you for your input, and it's just so great. I think to bring all of us together as the two of you, especially Steve and Jim, as representatives from our archdiocese, when people watch this podcast and say, well, what is our archdiocese doing? Well, this is kind of part of it, right? It's that educational piece. Mm -hmm. Jim, what about you? I mean, you've been in on some conversations that we've all been having over the last month or two. Uh, I know that the archdiocese does have a plan of action and has already done things. Tell us about like what we've already done, because I know there was something done recently. 
Well, what we really do is, and pivoting off of what Steve said, we don't work as islands like the Office of Life and Family works with social services and the Office of Migration. So it's really like a three-pronged uh, initiative um, to answer your question, Anne. And what the Archdiocese has been doing, I actually was reading over just last night. If you go on the Archdiocese website, Steve's page, uh, the Office of Life and Family includes a tab on human trafficking. So you can read on catholicphilly.com. There's an article that came out on September 25th where I can read some of it right now. Archbishop mm -hmm. Nelson Perez commissioned uh, 10 new missionaries of mercy. So they're definitely putting the focal light on it. And um, there's another there's another article in there where unfortunately you have to pay a subscription in order to read one of the magazine articles as happens with most periodicals. Um, for those that have the interest though, um, the article, I have some of it right here, talks about a summit that was held uh, back in Oct early October that talked about human trafficking. So there were multiple bishops and there's a US conference of bishops page. So for those that are interested, um, you can subscribe to uh, Catholic Philly and that will give you updates and information on it. Hmm, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I think as again, just to repeat that this whole idea of giving people the information to learn more, because we're not going to be able to supply all the information you need to know about anti-human trafficking efforts, but at least we can point you in the direction. And of course we invite you to connect with all of us, connect with archphila.org and the Office for Life and Family, connect with Randy, connect with myself, which is the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation founded by the Mercedarian Religious Order at nonatus.org, where we offer free pastoral care for families in crisis. And you can learn more by going to that website and connecting with us. So going back to you, Randy, we talked about like the, the basics of the problem itself, of this horrific problem. Uh, who are these people? I mean, as you said, they are people that we might be even living around that we don't even realize they're involved in it, right? I mean, and tell us how it happens. How is it happening within our greater Philadelphia area? Well, keep in mind, when we talk about modern human slavery, sexual exploitation is the biggest piece of it, the biggest moneymaker. It's 72% of what we're talking about. Um, I'd like to back up a minute and, and back up what Steve and James just said. You're looking at a vulnerable group of people, um, age, their, their history, uh, sometimes substance abuse, uh, runaways, homeless. They're all looking, you know, for something. And uh, family factors that come into play for, the, for victims. You know, financial stress, domestic violence is a big one. Um, criminal behavior and uh, incarcerations, caregivers or, or uh, partner and substance abuse. That's a big one because 40% of the children that are sold into slavery, uh, primarily sexual, but also for work in sweatshops in very hazardous conditions um, are done so by their primary caregiver. That means father, mother, uncle, aunt. Uh, so this is a huge family issue. And I know that's right in your sweet spot at your foundation, as well as what uh, you know Steve is involved in as well. But most importantly with this education is about the barriers that, that we have. It's the victims cannot self-identify. And that's why we need to be there 
and to become aware and to be able to spot so that we can prevent and or maybe report and, and rescue somebody. Reasons are many. There's shame, there's guilt, um, fear of arrest or deportation for those that are not documented. They just simply don't have a, a transportation to get from one place to another. They're vulnerable uh, that way. They're being afraid to be reported uh, to social services and just a lack of understanding of uh, our system is, is a big part of it. But most importantly is they don't have anywhere to go. And, and part of what I was going to talk about too is when we looked at the local situation, you look at the five county area, um, I had some numbers here and this dovetails into what I'm going to follow up with. But in the six county areas under the new statute over the last what eight or nine years, you know, Philadelphia County has only had 19 arrests. Chester, 10. Bucks County uh, and Delaware County, six. Lehigh, six. So you see, we have a lot of work to do. And what happens is it's a revolving door. So when we talk about they have nowhere else to go, the, the pimp or the trafficker, even if they get arrested, will walk through a revolving door and be right at the hospital or emergency room waiting for that person to come out. You'll see survivors will actually say they end up back in the life because they have nowhere to go. As soon as they come out, they're there to pick them up. So this is part of the awareness that we want to build uh, community wide. And, and that's that's a big part of it. So these these are vulnerable kids. You talk about teenage girls. Very simple. How many teenage girls and they're online chatting and all of that? Oh, my parents don't understand me. Well, guess what? The FBI tells us over you know the last year, there's over a million dollar, a million predators, not dollars, million predators sifting, sniffing the internet, looking for these triggers. Ah, parents don't understand me. Well, what kid doesn't ever say that? But that's that's a trigger for them to start befriending them. Then they start thinking they're talking to another teenage girl when they're not. So it's very sophisticated. Uh, and they're doing it in mass numbers because of there's very little risk and there's high profit potential to do this. So teenage girls, you look at our young boys, the FBI reported that over 30% of the pornography viewing during the lockdown came from boys 12 years old and younger. So, you know, you're looking at a huge problem here when you have this pornographic industry looking for victims, looking to, to befriend somebody. And then, you know, since time immemorial, you have the, the Romeo effect. Okay. So the Romeo shows attention to you, showers you with gifts and money and all of this stuff. And then the ass comes, then the hook is set. And, and well, you know, we could, we could get married. If you only do this, if we only had, you know, this taken care of and that take care, of. go work in this massage parlor for me for this. And so it's a Romeo effect. And then when the Romeo effect doesn't work, then they become the gorilla. Then it becomes force, fraud, or coercion. And that's part of the definition of what we're talking about. The international definition deals with force, fraud, and coercion. Mm. So these are very dark individuals um, that do not see people as human beings, but property. Mm. And, yeah, and, that's, and, and that's something we need to deal with. And I, I would add to that too, organ harvesting, you know, the, the, the tremendous amount of poverty that causes people to migrate 
into this country from Latin America or Central America or what have you, you know, it's poverty driven. And so now, you know, the prospect of selling a kidney to make a couple thousand dollars becomes more, much more real, you know. Um, and everything that Randy said was identifying the problem uh, to a T. And, 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 and yes, these are all things that we have to address. But I'd like to take it more on a 30,000 foot level, if I could. And that 30,000 foot level is number one, human dignity. How are we enhancing human dignity in everything? You know, um, you know, the, the consistent ethic of life does not just deal with abortion and euthanasia, although they are the, the primary focus of, of, of the condition, you know, the, the, the consistent ethic of life. That's the primary focus, yes. And I would agree to that. At the same time, there are other parts of this, this consistency that need to be addressed and dealt with. What about fathers? You know, it's become fashionable out there. And unfortunately, some segments of the church has picked up on this lie that men are not worthy of ministry or what have you. And I see that all the time. And in order for us to stop the human trafficking, in order for us to stop the harvesting or to the abortions or what have you, is that Fathers have to be who they are, leaders, protectors, and providers. There's very little that I see um, out there that really has a, a true sense of authentic Christian manhood and fatherhood. Now, the Kingsmen does a, a good job with it, but they, but they do one part of it that they, we need to expand to other parts of it. James, did you have a comment too? I see you had your hand up. Yeah, well, I wanted to pivot a little off of what Steve said about the father's place and everything. And, you know, I'm the young buck here. So I've, um, you know, I'm the one that's like, you know, watched Netflix, watched the news and everything, not bashing or saying anyone else did. But one thing that I've come to realize in a lot of these scandals, whether it was the Penn State victims, whether it was the Boy Scouts of America, or whether it was other problems, a, a lot of these victims that came forward, they may have been boys back then, but um, a lot of them told the similar story pattern of, you know, my parents got divorced when I was young and my father wasn't really in my life or my dad died and my mom was struggling to pay the bills. So I can kind of see how like, you know, boys looking for a father figure would fall victim or fall prey to this trafficking or this uh, dark undercurrent. Mm. Steve, did you have a comment on that? Because I know you were also finishing what you were no, saying. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think it's really important that we do something on, an, on, on a massive scale to uphold fatherhood and bring boys to understand that they have a place in life. You can't tell me that all these years of affirmative action where, you know, um, women's ministries have been up, up, upheld and and rightly so they ought to be and we ought to do everything that we can to build a woman's place in society but we can't forget the men in the process we can't mm -hmm. be kicking them in the face because you know our focus is on one gender and not them all mm. and so excellent until, points 
until we've until we've had you know it, i can remember there's not much i remember in my undergrad work but one of them was gestalt and the gestalt theory in psychology is that the whole is equal to more than the sum of the parts well i think what we've been doing is been dealing with pieces of the pies and forgetting about the whole and this whole now includes men and authentic Christian masculinity. If we're not willing to go there, then we're wasting our time. I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, to be honest, it wasn't kind of on our list of discussion points, but I obviously the Holy Spirit had other had other plans in in bringing up some of these facts too that it's uh, it affects both genders and we all need to get active, right? And there needs to be an awareness for uh, both men and women and families. So thank you both, Steve and James. Now, I thought we could turn the conversation over to an organization in our Philadelphia area. It's called Dawn's Place. And their website is ahomefordawn.org. And they are uh, in the first residential recovery home and program for women recovering from the trauma of sex trafficking. They provide a place to heal, grow, and, rec and reclaim their life. Now, as a matter of fact, I have to mention that I'm going to be interviewing some people who are uh, deeply involved in Dawn's Place, another podcast. So please do feel free to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Philly Nonatis on YouTube and our website, nonatis.org, because you can watch that podcast later on too, where I'm going to be interviewing these people. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what you know, Randy, Sir Randy, about Dawn's Place and about organizations that can help individuals and families to find hope and healing. Well, part of the multi ministry is to do what we're doing now, create awareness uh, and as a part of that and also help prevent the flood of people getting caught up in it and also report. But then you have to deal with the victims. And also our charism is to build out safe homes so that we can take a victim to a survivor. And that requires both a spiritual healing as well as the physical uh, healing process. So that's what our charism is. Don's Place has been in Philadelphia for quite a while, have a tremendous success rate. They deal with adults. We also deal with children as well as adults. And then children, it's a different order of, psych of uh, damage and, and attention that's needed, whole different magnitude and order of effort. But um, those are the homes we have. Uh, the first Malta home in Lowell, Mass is uh, O'Connell House. And then also, um, what uh, we didn't mention was the Archdiocese just recently held, um, you know, God's children are not for sale. It was a, uh, specifically to the clergy, deacons and priests about this scourge, the dignity of God, the supremacy of God being ignored in the society, et cetera. But part of that was Father Jeff Bay, uh, who founded the Metanoia home. And there's a beautiful home there. They've, uh, transitioned to survivor status, 89 young girls. So that's part of the ministry and part of the work. Pursuant to that, uh, the Archdiocese and Malta are working together on something called Samaritan's Choice, an act of love, which will be uh, worked on through the winter uh, from starting in January through. It's a 10-week, it's a, uh, four-track program in conjunction with doing a top down from the hierarchy of the archdiocese with his excellency down 
uh, to the and from the laity up and with the priests and our deacons out. So we're starting with a, a program that we'd like to um, get people to, to pay attention to as we as we move forward. And because of that, with the need for the homes and the need to support places like Don's is the, the, the need for the beds, because remember we talked about they have nowhere to go and we need to be there and get them to the place that they need to get to to start to heal. And that's what it's all about. So by raising awareness, we're also going to exponentially increase the demand for beds. And that's what we want to do. Yeah, excellent. Thank you for those resources. And I'm going to say it again. It's ahomefordawn.org. If, if you forget or need to reach out and find out more, you can go, reach out to me at nonatis.org. They, uh, they offer spiritual and religious beliefs that are respected in an inclusive environment that welcomes all faiths, 100% funded by private donors and foundations, and committed to continuous active listening, learning, and action toward uh, racial justice, a trauma-informed environment with training available and on an ongoing basis. And their mission, it's just a one or two sentence uh, here, mission statement. It says that they proactively support women affected by CSE and its abuse by providing direct services to women, raising awareness through education and generating prevention, public policy reform, and community collaboration. And maybe part of that collaboration is what we're doing here because the more people can find out about these resources, the better that we can do to help others. Now we're coming to a close on this podcast, but I wanted to ask each of you to say any concluding thoughts. We'll start with you, James. Any concluding thoughts that you have before we end? Yeah. Regarding this scourge that is human trafficking, I feel in a way that it's kind of going to be like, you know, in Greek mythology, the Hydra. You cut off one head, another one comes up. Um, one big thing, and speaking as, again, a millennial and a younger person, I think the big issue is going to be as wonderful as social media and artificial intelligence and crypto and Bitcoin and all that other stuff is, I think that's just dumping fuel onto the fire because we know now that, you know, social media has been a very big fueler for this. And it's been a big fueler for what we know of as QAnon, all these conspiracy theories. So, um, of course, use like your common sense. If something looks like it doesn't make sense, then it probably doesn't make sense. You know, some outrageous theory that there's I, I can't, I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole, but. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fight against human trafficking, number one, and against misinformation or QAnon theories. So there's quite a long fight ahead of us, but we can most certainly do it. Thank you, James. How about you, Steve? Any final words? My final words is that we have to redouble our efforts with men. Because that's where it starts. You know, if, if, if men were present... And, and truly cherish their wife, their, the girls that they love or the women that they love, they wouldn't be pushing the issue. And then after pushing the issue, then they advocate for abortion because they don't want to take responsibility for the life that they've generated. And so I think that we need to read, I'm serious about this, we need to redouble our efforts with, with men's ministry, getting them to be, to understand who they are as leaders, protectors and providers and we have to do everything that we can to, um, what's the polite word to say? 
um, I don't know if there is a polite way of saying this, but the SmackDown, um, the voices that would denigrate men somehow. Mm. And that's even within the church. I've seen it. Mm. You know, men's ministries need to need to be active and present and vibrant. Because once men, because let's face the facts. I mean, men set the tone. They always did and they always will. You know, um, and so we have to we have to bring men to a place where they're seeing themselves as the more moral and spiritual head of their families and of society, mm. and whatever and it will take for my office. I'm committed to this, and so. I lay this on the table for anyone who wants to build a men's ministry, um, but we have to do it properly. Hmm. And um, I'm committed to this. Thank so. you. That's very wise. And I, I invite people to connect with you at archfellow.org, Office of Life and Family, both you and James. Uh, Sir Randy, can you give us your final words and where can people get in touch with you if they have any questions? They can reach me at my email address, theevangelist at mctus.net. And um, my phone number is 610-564-2417. Call me anytime, day or night. I would like to say that in, in picking up on what Steve said, you know, for millennia, the church has always taught men had two roles in life, either to become, have a vocation as a priest or religious within the church or be a father and raise a family. Those were the two vocations. You either raised a family or you became a priest. That was up until recently. But I would like to say that um, as we move forward and we look at the Samaritan's choice, we're all going to have that Samaritan moment. And this is what we're talking about now. Everybody, man, woman, whatever, you need to make your Samaritan choice. You're either the Levite, the priest, who have, were distracted by other things, otherworldly things, and walked right by. But it was only the Samaritan that had the act of love. And we all have that. It's not a 2,000-year-old story. It's current right now today. So this ministry, this topic that we're talking about, is a matter of life and death. Spiritual life, for sure, but also physical life and death. And when we look at our choice, as we move forward, if you see an announcement that there's going to be a meeting about this, or that there's something you can do, or how you can come get involved, and you get distracted, whatever that distraction is, is it a matter of life and death? Because this is. And that's the Samaritan choice we have. We either walk by, like the Levite and the priest, or we take care of the needs of the other, the marginalized. That's the challenge. And see, I would want to dovetail on what Sir Randy had said too about it's either husband or, or priest. Well, both of them have the same, both of them are called father. We don't call our priest father for nothing because they're the pastor, the father of the people that God is giving them to bring them closer to him through sacrifice, through the sacrifice of the mass. For us who are not ordained, 
but are the are the the bishops of our households we offer sacrifice too and that's the sacrifice of our lives the sacrifice of everything that we hold dear for the advancement of our families and if we're not willing to do this then i question that that person's masculine identity because that's who he is that's thank you I thank each of each of you for joining me on this podcast and again, inviting everyone to connect. Randy gave his contact information. If you need that again, just go to nanatus.org to the contact form. I can connect you and archfella.org to reach out to the office of life and family. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And like I said, keep an eye for future events with the Archdiocese and also with the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation. God bless, and we'll see you next time. The St. Raymond Onatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith, was founded in 2015 by the Mercedarian Religious Order with a mission to make pastoral outreach to families in crisis. The friars came together after attending the World Meeting of Families in Philadelphia with hopes of creating a foundation which could help those families and individuals who have faced tough times and need to know that the church cares and is there to help. Since that time when we were founded, the Foundation has helped hundreds of families by offering prayer, priestly consultations, podcasts and videos, and programs and events. Whether it is something to do with divorce or separation, trauma, job loss, loss of a loved one, relationship issues, or other crisis, the Foundation has seen lives transformed through the services we provide. Pope Francis has referred to our world as a field hospital, where there are a great deal of individuals and families who feel abandoned and they need the special outreach of those who truly care and wish to show the face of God to others. As a foundation, that is what we do every day, and we're grateful to people like you who help to make a difference for families in crisis. Please pray for us and for our mission would you consider a one-time or recurring gift? Please go to nanatas.org to donate. Thank you sincerely from all of us at the St. Raymond Nonatas Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith.